Good evening, everybody. Uh, so, yeah, do turn to Mark 5 if you've got a Bible in front of you. The pew ones, it's page 1006. Mark chapter 5. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, For we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send him out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who'd seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you, and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away, and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered round him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, "'My little daughter is dying.' Please come and put your hands on her so that she may be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed round him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, 
her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, Why all this commotion, all this wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. He gave strict orders not to let anyone know about this and told them to give her something to eat. Thank you very much, Lizzie. Um, whenever I um, chat to people who don't believe in God or, or don't believe in Jesus, one, one of the most common things they tell me is that, well, God can't be good and all-powerful, you know, because either he, he, he kind of can do whatever he wants to do, but he just chooses not to, therefore so he might be all-powerful, but he's, he's not good, or, or maybe actually he'd love to kind of get involved, he'd love to kind of help, but he's, he's just not able to. Well, as we come to Mark 5, we have this question of, well, can Jesus be powerful and good? Maybe it's a question that you've even thought yourself. Can, can Jesus be powerful and good? Well, let's pray as we uh, dive into this chapter to help us uh, answer that question. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this ongoing story of Mark's gospel that we're looking at. And we pray as we uh, sort of run through this chapter tonight uh, that you would help us to to not simply get a glimpse of who you are, but to really feel it, to see it, to know it for ourselves, and to live in light of it. Amen. Uh, Unsurprisingly, chapter 5 comes after chapter 4, and if you've got a Bible there, just on page uh, 1006, uh, and you just glance your eyes up to the bit right before chapter 5, we have that heading, uh, Jesus Calms the Storm. So that episode where Jesus is in the boat, uh, there's a violent storm, uh, and then with one word, he stills the sea uh, entirely. 
He shows that he's the king of God's kingdom. And now he's moved across the lake and Jesus meets a man. A man who we're told in verse 2 has an impure spirit. A man we're told, again verse 2, that he lives among the tombs. He lives among the place where the dead people are. Uh, people try and bind him to, to stop him. He's obviously a violent person. Uh, they try to bind him, but they can't. They can't get near him to put chains on. And even if they do put chains on him, he just breaks them. It's a sort of a situation, isn't it, where uh, you can imagine people saying, you, you know, don't go there. You know, if you go there, you, you won't be safe. There's a, a man there who... You can break chains. You, you, you just don't, don't go near there. But that's exactly where Jesus goes. And the man who uh, is used to probably flooring people is himself floored. Verse 6, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. There's no question about who's in charge here. There's no question about uh, who's the one uh, who has authority. Uh, And then he he shouts at him, verse 7, What do you want of me, Jesus, Son of the Most High? God, in God's name, don't torture me. It's remarkably like uh, chapter 1, verse 24. Where Jesus says, well, the Spirit says to, to Jesus, What do you want of us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. The evil spirits know who Jesus is. They know he has authority and power. They say, Look, don't torture us. You have the kind of the authority to do that. Don't do it. Now, in those days, it was common. Uh, for when people were trying to exercise demons, they would uh, use lots of long words and lots of sort of an elaborate ceremony to do it. But not for Jesus. Verse 8. Come out of this man, you impure spirit. With a few words, Jesus commands the spirit and comes out. And then he, said, you know, he says to him, uh, you know, what's your name? And verse 9, uh, my name's Legion, for we are many. Now, Legion uh, is, of course, a gathering of, of Roman soldiers. It was about 6,000 soldiers in a legion. So this poor man is suffering beyond belief. He's got 6,000, or you know, probably not literally 6,000, but a huge number of spirits within him. His very humanity is going to be degraded, destroyed even. But when the demonic meets the divine, there's no contest. When the demonic meets the divine, there's no contest. And Jesus knows that actually that there will be a day 
when he will put all uh, evil under his foot. That day he knows is coming. Uh, So he uh, allows uh, the spirits to their request to, to go into the pigs. Now we could spend a lot of time thinking about what's going on there, but but notice Jesus simply allows them to go to the pigs, and then the spirits themselves are the ones that force the pigs to run off into the the lake. What we're really seeing here, actually, is not saying why the pigs, but we're seeing that the evil of the spirits that they they have destruction at their heart, that that's what they were doing to this man. They may even uh, have been trying to force this man to kill himself. But that absolute evil of the, the, the impure spirits of what they're doing at the heart of it. See, Jesus has complete power. With a word, he casts out the spirits. But he also has true compassion. He is willing to intervene. He's willing to go where no one else would go. But of course, not everybody thinks like that. There are those around who hear about this and they, they're not kind of delighted saying, that, that guy who, who we couldn't go near, well, suddenly he, he's kind of back into the fold. He's back into the community. Isn't it wonderful? Well, no. They, they've seen kind of one sort of supernatural person uh, that's ruined their life. And now somebody else has performed another supernatural being. And, and they're kind of a bit worried that they ask Jesus to leave. They say, get out. Go. We don't want you here. I mean, it just makes you think, doesn't it? It does make you sort of slightly uh, question that idea when people say oh I would believe in Jesus if I saw him if I saw him do the things that it says in the Bible do I'd believe well these people did see him do stuff and they told him to get out but of course there's the man himself he sees Jesus, he, he experiences his power and goodness and he, he says Jesus I, I want to follow you Verse 18, he begged him to go with him. But Jesus says, you can be my disciple, but what you've got to do is go. Go and tell. Verse 19, go home to your home people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he's had mercy on you. You can be my disciple, but go. We'll come back to that in a moment. But then Jesus uh, does get back into the boat and he heads across the lake again uh, and he comes uh, to a large crowd uh, gathering around him. And in that crowd is a, a man called Jairus who's the, the synagogue leader. Uh, the synagogue leader uh, is somebody who wasn't a Pharisee or a te- they weren't sort of teaching. Uh, they were somebody who kind of organised the synagogue. Uh, the one who kind of was the, uh, the sort of the administrative head, if you will, uh, of the synagogue. Uh, So somebody who was a a really uh, important person. But Jairus, who has all this sort of power, faces a a helpless situation. Uh, Verse 23. He pleaded earnestly with him. My little daughter is dying. 
Please come and put your hands on her so she'll be healed and live. There's a sense in that word dying of of more kind of at death's door. This is something which is going to happen very soon. But if Jesus comes, he, he can fix it. And well, Jesus has complete power and true compassion. So he goes. He goes. But en route, he meets a woman. Well, not really meets, I suppose. She's somebody there who, who, I suppose she kind of goes to Jesus in the crowd. She's not named. She has no status. She's suffered for many years. And her suffering has brought her shame. People probably knew kind of who she was and would be avoiding her. But she knew, she knew, verse 28, if I just, just touch his clothes, I'll be healed. If I can just, just, just get the, the, the smallest bit of the hem of the robe, then... Jesus is able to heal me, to remove my shame. And that's exactly what happened. Verse 29, immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body she was freed from her suffering. But, but Jesus, of course, who's on the march to, to save this little girl who's at death's door, stops. And he says, you know, who touched me? And so I was going, Jesus, that... Look at the crowds around you. Everyone's touching you. You're kind of banging shoulders with everybody. That's a bit of a silly question. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew. But but actually, so did the woman. Verse 33, the woman knowing what had happened. And she's terrified trembling with fear. Verse 33. It's at this point that she's almost, she knows Jesus can heal him, but she's not quite sure who Jesus is. Well, Jesus is the one who has complete power and true compassion. So he says, verse 34, daughter, just even straight away, daughter, calling her by a tender word, saying you're a child. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. See, Jesus is, is able to, to heal. He, he is powerful enough to do it, but he also has complete compassion. He is willing to do it. And this woman is a model of faith. This unnamed, unknown woman of of shame in the context is a model, a model of faith. Jesus has complete power and true compassion. But at this point, you've got to think, what's Jairus thinking? 
He's like, Jesus, you've got to come. My daughter is at death's door. Why are you stopping? Come, please. Please. And then the moment his world probably fell apart. Verse 35. While Jesus is still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Those words probably took an eternity to hear. The moment that the, that the one who has power and authority, Jairus' world, just collapses and falls apart. <laughs> but Jesus says to him, have faith. Verse 36, don't be afraid, just believe. Or we might really say, he, he doesn't say it overtly, but he's really saying, be like the woman who's just touched me. Be like her. And then what follows is, is beautiful. Jesus goes to the house and he, <clears throat> he rouses the, the little girl out of death as if she were asleep. And just says uh, those words in Talafakum, little girl, I say to you, get up. Just picks her up out of death as if you were having an afternoon nap. Jesus has complete power and true compassion. So what what does this mean for us today? How does this land for us today? Well, we we need to to both uh, look again at Jesus and look at ourselves. So so looking at Jesus first, uh, it's being reminded that Jesus has complete power. That he can break every chain. That there is no situation too deep for him. Even death is but sleep to him. He is able. He is able to do something. But but more than that, he's not simply able. uh, He is willing. He's more than willing. He's compassionate. That every fiber of Jesus' being longs to do you good. Jesus has complete power and true compassion. So as we look at Jesus, we, we don't look at somebody who is begrudging, who is sort of going, well, you, you, what a fine mess you've made yourself in. I better do something about it. <laughs> somebody who looks upon our, our, our weakness, our mistakes, our difficulties, our challenges, and his heart breaks. His heart beats for you. That's who he is at his core. 
And it's into that, therefore, that when we look at ourselves, Jesus says, have faith. Have faith in who I am. Now, uh, faith is, is not academic. It's not sort of like taking some sort of blind leap and just really going, I think it's going to be okay. No, it, it's trusting every day that I'm going to plant myself on the rock that is Jesus. I'm going to plant myself in my darkest days, knowing that he will not let me down. Knowing that he is able so that actually whatever situation I face, I do so with him. That he was always working for my good. So even if I can't see it, even if I don't understand why, I know that he is able and that he's good. That to answer that question way back that we started about how can God be uh, good and able, uh, because he's God and I'm not. Because he knows far better than I ever could. Have faith. But then secondly, go. Uh, go and tell. Uh, just notice when he spoke to the uh, the man and the impure spirit at the start of the chapter, he, he didn't say, uh, go and uh, convince people with fine-sounding arguments. He said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. He says, go and tell them about what I've done for you. And so that's the call for the Christian. Uh, yes, it's helpful to, to, to be thinking about uh, different arguments or different perspectives or, or ways of engaging people. But fundamentally, our, our call is to say, go and say what the Lord has done for you. Uh, what has he done for you uh, in your life as a whole? What's been the, the story of God's grace in your life? Uh, what's been the story of God's grace over the last week? How can we go and tell all that the Lord has done? Let's try and make it a habit of doing that. It might be that even just after service here, with brothers and sisters, we could go and say of all the things the Lord has done, just so it becomes a natural flowing out. Or if you're in small groups this week and you're looking at this, why not spend some time sharing about all that the Lord has done for you? Why? So just so it's natural. Just so it comes. Because the Lord has complete power and true compassion. That's who he is. Now we can trust him. We can have faith that he's working for our good. So that it becomes natural. Just to say, this is who the Lord is. This is what he's done. The Lord has complete power and true compassion. So let's trust him and be praying that actually it might just be a natural flow maybe to speak about all that he's done. Let's pray as we close. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you uh, for this uh, just, just great chapter, Lord, that just shows us your power that there's no chain you can't break 
demons, sickness, even death. But your true compassion, Lord, that that your very fibre bleeds to help your people. And Father, we know that that carries forward to the the cross of Calvary, where you put your your foot upon death and sin itself and destroyed it, so that we may become your sons and daughters. Father, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your compassion. And we pray, Lord, you would help us to trust you day by day and to say all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen.